Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. Ryan Drury, I'll be joined as always by Clarky and Steve Sabrin. First, we'll be joined by friend of the show, a great special guest, former Maple Leaf captain, longtime NHLer and author Rick Vive will join us to break down the Montreal Canadiens continuing their magical run. Shades of 1993, they are off to the cup final after downing Vegas in six games. Rick will break down the game, the series, what he thinks of this Montreal run and some suggestions maybe for his former Maple Leafs on how they could do something similar soon. Then we'll chat with general manager of the Mitchell Hawks of the PGHL, Josh Keel. They have an official league start date after losing an entire season and playoffs to the COVID-19 pandemic. We will chat with him as they get set to start up October 1st this year. And then we will chat a little bit about the MLB's first week enforcing the sticky substance memo and some pitchers getting caught with their pants down a little bit here. We'll chat about that and more here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.com. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabrin, and we are very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, a great special guest, former NHLer, longtime captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, former 50 goal scorer and author, of course, Rick Vive joins us. Rick, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Gosh, I haven't got an introduction like that in like probably 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I I'm looking for a side gig. I could be your hype man, Rick. Like, you know, it's a <laughs> I'm well-versed. You know who else is well-versed? Carey Price in the Montreal Canadiens right now. And Clarky, I can already see you hanging your head. I'm I'm, I'm sorry for you, man. This is your worst nightmare come true. Not yet. It could come. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Rick, you know, you played in the league a long time. You played against a lot of great players. You're a great player yourself. Does this team that Montreal has this year, does it not look eerily similar to what they put together in 1993 a pretty good collection of players nobody you'd call a superstar except that guy in net Patrick Waugh Carey Price it kind of looks pretty similar to me what do you think of that assessment yeah I, I mean I don't I vaguely remember 93 but uh I mean they do resemble them especially the goaltender but I would say they resemble the New Jersey Devils when they were winning their cups. I mean, they're stifling defensive style of hockey, and and they play hard. They play physical. They they play dirty sometimes, uh, as we've seen throughout all the series. So I, you know, I, I kind of look at them and and you know look back when Jacques Lemaire was coaching the Devils and they were winning cups, and and it seems like they're playing pretty much the same type of game that the Devils. Did. They have horseshoes up their butt too, don't they? <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, okay, well, yes, I'm going to give them okay. credit. I'm going to give them credit, but like, it Are just you? no, no. <laughs> well, well, Clarky, but what well, I, you I know understand. What? Go ahead, Rick. There, there's a few things. I mean, to win the Stanley Cup, you need you need some bounces. You need a little bit of luck. You need to stay healthy, mm-hmm. and and I'm not sure uh, how healthy. Uh, Patch ready or Stone mm-hmm. were uh, this far into the playoffs because they didn't, certainly didn't play like they were healthy. I mean, you need that, and and like I said, you need a few bounces, and and that's exactly what Montreal's getting. They're playing extremely hard. They're playing physical. They're playing a little bit dirty, but they're they're preying on other teams' mistakes. They're clogging up the neutral zone, and they're standing up at the blue line, and when. There's a turnover, turnover. Montreal, they have the guys that can motor and they can get in there and score like Caulfield did tonight. Well, how many guys do they have able to do that? I mean, you look at Gallagher, you look at Caulfield, you look at Suzuki. I'm really impressed with their stretch passes, Rick. Like through that game tonight and even through the series, the number of times their defenseman would pick up the puck and that forward would sneak right behind on that wing and the pass is right there. Yeah, they did that quite a bit, and they were they're pretty good at it. But that's because their defense are so calm back there, and they're just you know D to D, maybe back to D to D again, because they got a lot of time, and they're just they're waiting, and then all of a sudden somebody you know circles around one way, gets in behind a D, and and those are guys that are able to make those passes. 
Rick, is this is this team like just a playoff team, or is this a team that's just got hot at the right time? Like, let's be honest, they were the like the least amount of points I think to make the playoffs in the first place, and now they're going mm-hmm. to the final. Are they that good? Um, I, I don't think they're as bad as people think they are, but I, I wouldn't say that you know they're they're great. Uh, I think they just played a real simple tight style of hockey and, uh, you know, and then their big guns when they needed to came up big and, and, you know, I mean, it's playoff hockey. That's, that's how the playoffs are played. I mean, you've got to play good defense. And, uh, you know, I remember coaching when I was coaching, the hardest thing to do was to teach these kids, uh, that are so talented, that you know what? If you play good defense in your own zone, you'll get more offensive chances. Mm-hmm. They don't understand it, but when you finally get through to them, and then they start playing good defense, and then the, these unbelievable scoring chances come, well, then they start believing you, and they start believing in what you're telling them, and that's exactly what Montreal's doing. Okay, so I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna go off here, Ryan. Okay, so just bear with me. Do the Leafs have that kind of talent who may learn to do that? Or do, in your opinion, Rick, we haven't talked to you since they were eliminated. Do they need to make some personnel changes to to make it to this next level? I I believe they do have to make some personnel changes, no question. Um, They do have high-end talent that can take advantage of that. I've, I've noticed a couple of them have started playing a little bit. Matthews is starting to play better in his own zone. Mm-hmm. He's starting to play a little bit more physical. Um, you know, but, hey, they've all been there for five, six, seven years, some of them. I mean, it, you know, if you haven't learned by now, I, I don't know if you're going to learn, to be honest with you. Yeah, I uh, I had a conversation today with a, a friend of the show. I won't name him, but he's a friend of the show, and he w- he was saying that you know they brought Dubas in to really mold the team Dubas style, and now they've asked mm-hmm. Dubas to change the team um, a non Dubas style, and he doesn't know if if Dubas can do it. Uh, it'd be in- it's going to be an interesting off season. It's going to be probably one of the more interesting off seasons I think in Toronto Maple Leaf history because. I mean, if you look at the big picture, they they got four guys over $40 million, and that's an 81.5 flat cap for mm-hmm. two more years at minimum. So, And they're not the only team. There's other teams. Tampa Bay are going to be in the same situation. There's there's several teams that are going to be in that that problem with the cap, and Toronto's one of them. And I, I'm not sure what, you know, what they're going to do. Either they're going to fill their team with a bunch of young guys and let them play and see if they can make it or move one or two of uh, the big guys that are making big money. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be one or the other because free agency, you know, you're not going to get the big guys that you want for, for less than seven, $8 million. And, and, and they don't have that money to spend. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, I, I think, the big thing for me is you got to balance the difference between the first line and the fourth line. To me, there's too big of a gap there between the first line and the fourth line when you look at the talent level and how they play. Uh, and I'm not talking about each individual player. I'm just talking about the fourth line versus the first line. And there's too big of a gap. If you're if you're a good team and you're a Stanley Cup uh, contender, those those are a lot closer, and your fourth line go out there, and you don't have as a coach, you're not worried about them making a mistake because they're they're good pros and they know how to play. Yeah, I think most people would definitely agree with your assessment there, Rick. We're chatting with former Maple Leaf captain, a uh, longtime NHLer, Rick Vive. Um, Rick, I I wonder about you know Montreal, what their mindset's going to be because you know this show is going to air on the night of a game seven between the Islanders and the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. And you look at those two teams, the Islanders play a lot more of a similar game to what has gotten Montreal to this point, mm-hmm. whereas Tampa Bay, I mean they can kind of play it any way you want. The Islanders are going to sit back. They're going to grind you along the walls. They're going to do what Montreal does. Quick, simple, out-of-the-zone hockey. Tampa Bay can hurt you in a number of ways, though, and I wonder what your assessment is of 
either of those opponents and what Montreal would have to do to beat either one of them, Tampa or the Islanders? Well, I can tell you one thing. If it's the Islanders that they play, it, it's going to be one rough and tumble, uh, knock them down, rock them, sock them uh, final. If it's Tampa, they're going to have to play a similar style of what they're doing now. They're going to have to get up on the play. They're going to have to back check extremely hard and frustrate the hell out of guys that can't get in and get good scoring opportunities, which is what they did to Toronto. It's what they did to Winnipeg. And they did the exact thing to Vegas. I mean, I, I mean, they've, they've puzzled me. They really have. But but I got to give them credit because that team has played extremely hard. And, of course, Carey Price was outstanding. And, and But you don't win a cup without a great goal, period. Rick, we've talked. A lot of fans have talked a lot about uh, how the officiating has changed, and I, I think it's it's obvious it has changed. Was it as prevalent when you played going into the playoffs, and how they let things go, or do you see a real real difference now? Well, I, I see more of a difference now because, I mean, during the during the regular season, they call everything. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't even put your stick up. I know. You know, even if you're not hooking a guy without getting a penalty. Um, so it's kind of a drastic change in, in in when I played, it got worse in the playoffs, but it wasn't quite as big a gap as it is now mm-hmm. uh, from the regular season to the playoffs. I mean, uh, unless you got to the finals when, I mean, in the 80s, when you got to the finals, it was like it was prison rules. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, it was wild. <laughs> Yeah. It certainly was. I mean, you look back in the 80s, especially I think the standout series uh, in terms of cup finals was that one where Edmonton beat Philly. And my God, there was some stick swing and mm-hmm. stuff going on in that series. That was just obscene. That said, though, I mean, even even in, you know, the game where, where Montreal's won here and, and eliminated Vegas, the, the, I think the frustrating thing for fans, and I, I'm sure it's probably similar for players too, Rick. I think the frustrating thing is the referee's seeming unwillingness to not call penalties past the three minutes left in a period mm-hmm. mark. We saw three or four infractions both ways in the game where Montreal wins in overtime here, where with under two minutes left, there were two pretty bad missed calls against Montreal for holding. And then there were three against Vegas and interference, a pretty blatant too many men on the ice call that they were called for earlier in the period. And that, that chin check hit that tuck laid on Anderson. That was a gutless hit. It was the NHL has said for years now that they want to get rid of these East West hits where heads, the principal point of contact and Anderson's getting chin checked with 213 left in the period and they don't call it. And and I know for years they've said, well, you know, the game is really fast. It is really fast. Right. It's but there's ways to, to fix it. Sorry to interrupt you. There's ways to fix it. Put a guy up in the press box to call the game up there and call down when they see crap like that. Yeah, anyway, and ahead, and that's a valid that's a valid thing that's been brought up for a number of years now, Clarky, for sure, but I think the frustrating thing at least from my perspective is we can see on the cameras that the refs see it. We can see them staring right at it. Oh, yeah. And they don't call it because of this game management. Look at the the Kucherov cross-check yesterday that put him out of the game. Well, and that's what I'd like to ask. He's a foot away from the referee. Wreck about as well. maybe put him out for the rest of the series. Right. There goes Montreal with their freaking luck again. Well... Yeah, it's and and the word is that that Kucherov will be a game time decision for Game Seven, and I mean that you know t- I think yeah. Tampa Bay can get it done without him. They've still got that point. Could easily and, broke uh, the ribs, man. You could have easily broke well, the ribs he, on that. He, he, he gets well, he where there's no did. padding. Yeah, he, he probably did. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're yeah. assuming. But just your thought on that, Rick? Like the the referees, it's fine. Okay, you're gonna let stuff go all game, but then with two minutes left, they either ignore stuff or they call something that they let go five minutes ago. It, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like setting the standard. Okay, here's what we're going to call tonight. If you do this, you're going to get called, plain and simple. We're going to let this go. We're going to let this go, but we're going to call these types of penalties. And if, if they're more consistent calling those types of penalties, you know, then I don't think the players would be quite as upset 
as, as they are over or the discrepancy in the calls and when they're called. But you know what? I, you know, the thing is, it, it's human. They're human beings. And, you know, I know we look at TV, we see replays, we see the referee. We, you know, we assume that he's looking right at it. But maybe there's two players between between him and the hit, and he doesn't even see it. I, I, I you know, I mean, they're, they're human beings. They're going to make mistakes. I, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, they shouldn't be calling those things. I'm just giving them a little bit of a break because they're human beings and they're going to make mistakes like everybody else. I mean, you know, my son who's now play, he's in Fort Wayne this year with Ben Boudreaux, Gabby's son, uh, who could become the only father-son combination to win a Kelly Cup in the ECHL. But anyway, so they were playing in uh, game five uh, against Allen, or game four, rather, sorry. And uh, they're killing a penalty off, and there's 30 seconds left. They ice the puck. And the, and the lineman blows a whistle, calls icing. <laughs> like, like, how do you not, like, how does your mind work that you don't remember that they're shorthand? So the faceoff comes to center ice, and we could have killed 20 seconds down in their zone by not letting them get out or whatever. But they win the draw, get it in the zone, and they get a couple of opportunities. I mean, they didn't score. We went to overtime, and we ended up winning. But, you know, at the same time, that's uh, those are things that shouldn't happen in the playoffs. The referees should be in position. There's two of them. They should be picking up those ones that are elbows to the, or shoulders to the head uh, and those types of calls for sure. I, I But, again, I just want to reiterate what I said. They're human beings, and – you know, they, they can't see everything. Like I said, we see it on camera. But if Shea Weber and Pastor Angelo are standing between him and what the infraction that happened, he's not going to see over those guys. <laughs> he can't see. He can't see over those guys. So he, he might miss it. Well, it was interesting on that icing play uh, tonight when uh, it did hit uh, the goaltender's oh, pad. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't see whether or not the officiating crew got together and talked about that, but that's a perfect example of the guy upstairs who can whistle down and say, Hey guys, that hit the goaltender's pad. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm surprised that the, uh, whatever they call the war room or whatever, you know, didn't buzz down and say, you know, Hey guys, like, no, you got to go to center rights. Cause that hit his pad. I mean, though, those are calls that should never happen. Like I say, I mean, you know, missed calls because you didn't see it or whatever. But calls that you know are, are standard things that happen in a hockey game, like you say, the icing that hit his pad. I mean, you, you can't make those mistakes. It's right? kind of crazy. But you can't. It's kind of crazy because yeah, you can't. How, how can the four guys on the ice not see that, or at least one of the four? I mean, the broadcaster saw it. I saw it. I saw it. All the fans saw it. How could they all miss it? I don't get it. <laughs> I, I I don't know how the heck four guys could miss that that play. I mean, yeah. Uh, I I don't know how four guys can miss a lot of plays. To be yeah. honest with you, but but that one in particular, I mean, clearly it's one of them had to see that it hit him in the path, <laughs> and it's think. not icing. So we're going we're going mm -hmm. to center ice. But yeah. Uh, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just like the goal the Caulfield scored. I mean, Vegas was offside. Uh, on the play, and they didn't blow it down. Clearly, they were offside, and then Montreal got it and threw the pass to Caulfield. He scored a goal, but they can't challenge that because it was offside at, at the offensive blue line. So Vegas can't challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can't challenge that your own <laughs> no. players are offside. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately for yeah. for Peter DeBoer, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they should make it like Major League Baseball, where they can just challenge whatever they want. It seems. Um, yeah, it, it's bizarre, Rick. I'd I'd like you know your thoughts on who you think is going to come out and and lift Lord Stanley. Are are we going to see now? This is airing on the night of Game Seven between Tampa and the Islanders. Who do you like here? Because we've got three teams. Two of them seem pretty similar. One of them is obviously a, a, a bit of a heavier favorite being the defending champs and, and certainly has more talent up front anyway. We really saw Vegas's forwards dry up offensively in this series against Montreal. I don't think Tampa will be in danger of that. Of these three teams, as we record this, that we have left, who do you like and why? 
Gosh, I don't know. I mean, guys, I, I mean, again, I said Montreal might they'll probably win one game against Toronto. I said, and then they beat them. I said they're they're never going to beat Winnipeg. They beat them four straight, no less. And then I go, there's no way they can beat Vegas and the second best team. Well, tied for first overall with Colorado, but uh, and they went and beat them. So. I mean, I don't know who the heck to pick, but I, I think it'll be whoever wins between the Islanders and, and uh, Tampa. I think that'll probably end up winning the Stanley Cup. That, that's just my guess. But again, uh, Montreal keeps surprising the hell out of all of us. So mm-hmm. uh, don't be surprised if they're raising Lord Stanley. Sorry, Clarky, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, inter- sorry, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, interesting uh, uh, history here. Last time. Uh, the Islanders had a crack deep in the playoffs against Montreal was 92-93 when Montreal beat the Islanders 4-1 in the conference finals. Back in the days when they had the Wales Patrick divisions and uh, Montreal. What about the Norris? Yeah, so think of those those storylines. If the Islanders do beat the Tampa Bay Lightning and you have the Montreal Islanders final, uh, a lot of history uh, oh, in those seventies well, too, back. right? Like, yeah, the seventies. Well, yeah, well. yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's no history when you're talking about Tampa Bay, pretty much with anybody. I mean, even mm-hmm. even though they have two Stanley Cups already, mm-hmm. uh, but there's certainly history the Montreal Canadiens and, and the Islanders for sure. And uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what teams would get the best ratings, but. Uh, you know, Montreal Islanders, I think, would be a good series. It'll be, it'll be pretty messy. I can assure you that it's gonna, it's gonna get pretty, pretty uh, crazy out there. I think uh, if the Islanders play Montreal, I have the ABC rule. Um, anyone but Canadians, um, but I also just think uh, the, this Leaf franchise is is jinxed. And Montreal is probably going to win the cup. I just want to see our buddy Rick uh, Steve Dangle uh, on his stream on Sportsnet, the big the big Montreal Canadian fan, go crazy when the Habs win the cup. I think that would look really good on Sportsnet at this point. Oh no! <laughs> I thought he was a Leaf fan. He is a Leaf fan, and Sportsnet has him on a stream watching the Habs game. Watch a Habs oh, yeah, game no, with, with Steve Dangle. Wow! I saw that tonight. I'm thinking. Well, first of all, I don't think I'd want to watch it with him. So, <laughs> <laughs> me neither. Yeah, I feel I feel like that would be a good mix for sure. Yeah, it's a strange one, certainly. Um, and Steve, like you mentioned, that that '93 season, which had a lot of weird ups and downs for Montreal, just like this one. I believe, if memory serves, that Islanders team that was the year they put the Penguins out, who were favored to potentially win three straight cups. Mm-hmm. David Volek with that double OT winner to put out Mario and uh, my favorite player growing up, Yarmir Yager. Uh, I want to ask. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, seven games that yeah. series went. David David Volek, Ray Ferraro was jumping off the bench. Um, well, Rick, I just want to ask you. Montreal, but Montreal won. Didn't Montreal win ten overtime games that year? Yes, they did. It was an NHL record uh, ending, I believe, with uh, Desjardins. Uh, was that final? Yeah, and then how points. many have they won this year? They've won about what six this year I, already? Maybe I, seven. I believe we're up to six now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Which yeah. is all I remember is a Gretzky high stick. It's well, yeah. I'm sure that is. <laughs> I'm sure that is all you remember, Clarky. Really quick. Well, hey, okay. So think about how short. Uh, what's his name? The referee, Kerry uh, Fraser. Kerry Fraser. Yeah. And there was probably a couple of big defensemen standing there. He can't see over those guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a few inches taller with that quaff on top of his head for sure. Uh, Rick, we really appreciate you doing this. It's always such a pleasure to have you on the show and pick your brain. Uh, you're one of our viewers and listeners' favorites for sure, so we always appreciate you doing this for us, buddy. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. I enjoy it. I, I love watching the games, and I, I love breaking things down. You know, I'm talking to my buddies all the time. Of course, you know what makes matters worse is that my golf course, there's about 15 guys that are Habs fans. Mm-hmm. And, and I play golf with, I play golf on a regular basis with about six of them. And I mean, I am getting the gears out there like crazy. And I'll get it even worse now. If they win the Stanley Cup, 
Don't go. I don't, I don't know if I can go back to my golf course. I may have. I may have to bowl. I may have to bowl. <laughs> yeah, that that might be tough for teeing off for a little while. Bon chance, mon ami, for sure. That's uh, uh, going to be a tough one. Rick Vive, former Maple Leaf captain. We appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. All right, we'll take a quick break here. When we come back here on MWO Sports, we'll chat with our buddy Josh Keel, the general manager of the Mitchell Hawks of the PJHL League, on their confirmed start date, his plans for his team, and some major signings and roster moves that he's planning on making for his team as well. We'll chat with Josh next here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports. Ryan Drury here alongside Steve Sabrin and Clarky. We're brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Very pleased to be joined by a friend of the show, a great special guest, Josh Keel, the general manager of the Mitchell Hawks organization. Keeler, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you guys doing tonight? We're doing very well. We're excited to talk some hockey with you, and it's very exciting. The PGHL, just a little bit after the GOJHL announced their upcoming schedule start date, the PGHL has confirmed they will start the 2021-22 season this October 1st. We're so excited to hear that junior hockey in our area is going to be back. What was your reaction to seeing that finally in print that we're going to play this year? Uh, It's uh, an amazing feeling. Like After the last... uh year and a half with no hockey it it's just tough because it's just embedded in uh everybody within every organization within the pghl the gojhl and every league across uh, canada and the world and uh you know it's uh it's just exciting to have something to look forward to and uh um to to build off our our most recent success it's just it's, it's exciting times Josh, tell us what we can expect when you guys do hit the ice with fans and everything else and what kind of protocols might be in place. Well, basically, as of right now, we're not 100% sure on protocols. Uh, I don't know uh, once October 1st comes along what the capacity inside these buildings are going to be at and stuff like that. If if masks are going to be mandatory or not, I, I don't know how Ontario is going to do compared to the States or something like that. I don't, I don't know how our reopening plan is going to be, but we're just going to take it one day at a time. And uh, we're just excited that we got a start date. Um, everybody's optimistic that a season's going to go. So whatever they throw at us from a protocol standpoint, we're, we're going to take and run with it because we want to see these kids on the ice. Uh, Josh, definitely the teams, uh, not only will the players be excited to go, but um, from the organization standpoint, um, how have they survived over the last year and a bit? Uh, because it takes some money to run a club, uh, takes volunteers to run a club. Uh, how have clubs been able to adapt to get to this point so they can get back to the ice? Yeah, so I, I can only speak on behalf of our organization, but uh, um, luckily the OHA and the PGHL did, did work together to make sure that uh, teams didn't have to spend a lot of money um, during COVID, um, we didn't have to play, pay our player fees this year. We obviously had to pay the insurance aspect due to the fact that we teams were still skating. Um, but, uh, but other than that, they were, they're very good, um, to us in that aspect. So we didn't have a lot of money, not a ton of money going out. So, uh, um, but for this season, it's going to be tough because, uh, there's a lot of businesses that were affected from COVID, um, from a sponsorship standpoint it might be tough to to fundraise to the same levels as we could have uh a year ago so or a year and a half two years ago so it is it is definitely uh it's going to be tough regardless on every team Josh, I'm, I'm interested to know, and I, I know we've talked with you a couple times during the pandemic, and of course last year when the season was officially cancelled, um, we've lost an awful lot of hockey, and there are a lot of guys that have aged out of the league that would have been playing last year and potentially their last year of junior hockey. From your perspective as a general manager, what has this been like, even just the last couple months? We've, we've seen things gradually improve here in the province and across the country 
And, you know, maybe even a month ago, it was looking like it was more and more likely that the leagues were going to be able to come back. What's it been like for you as a general manager trying to almost get launched into scramble mode now, trying to put a team together after probably the weirdest thing we'll ever all live through? Well, the the crazy part about it, Ryan, is I've been a general manager of a junior hockey club for, for a year now, and I've never managed the hockey game. Um, yeah. That's it. <laughs> That's the, that's the craziest part about it. But in the same sense, uh, um, with the pandemic and it, it, it was unknown, but we deep down, we all knew that hockey wasn't going to be traditional this past season. So it actually gave us time to plan. And, uh, now we're, now we're executing our plan. So it's just gonna, it's gonna make us stronger. And I think a lot of teams are going to be in the same, same, uh, kind of headspace in that perspective. But from, from a player perspective, like it's, it's, it's tough because, uh, you know, you create bonds with these kids and, and, and their seasons are just done. And, uh, that's what like, it just kills you because, uh, because nothing like that has ever happened to me. It's tough to, it's tough to relate to these kids having their, having their junior careers just ended just like that. So it it is tough, but luckily, you know, there's the new, the new league, uh, starting up there that super league uh they've got the g league starting up there's a lot of opportunities for these kids that are missing out to continue their junior junior uh junior years anyway so it's it's good overall so yeah josh you must be eager you're standing outside the arena right now it's the middle of summer um where do you see this team uh, shaping up for this this uh, upcoming season do you have any uh things on the go yeah so we uh we definitely have some things on the go uh um, I'm not going to give out details, but we did make a, a good trade, uh, February 1st of the junior B, uh, drop down, which we will, uh, release those trade details here sooner than later, probably early July. Um, and I got, uh, eight 2001 born players, uh, signed, uh, Tuesday night. And I've got, uh, I got the, the three, uh, junior B drop down signed tonight. So I've got, I've got 11 total signed right now. Uh, we're looking deep. We're looking deeper than ever. And, uh, yeah, the kids are excited. Like they, they were the ones that wanted to sign. They want to get this going. They're excited for a hockey season. So, um, we'll continue the signings throughout the summer and hopefully, uh, hopefully have a rookie camp here soon in in August and, uh, and then main camp in September. Yeah. Are you having fun? fun. Are you having I'm fun? having a load, load of fun. Like, yeah. uh, just, just gaining relationships with uh, a lot of new people every single day and, and, uh, bonding with these kids and, and, uh, um, giving them an opportunity to play competitive hockey is, uh, and just seeing how excited they are about it. Like that's, that's a great part about it. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. How's the golf game? Oh, sorry, Steve. <laughs> golf game, golf game's awful right now. Uh, uh, so it's the same. That's, yeah. no, that's good. You're busy. <laughs> yeah. I went, I, uh, men's day today was probably my best round of the year and I shot a 45. That's not saying much. So, um, it's but, uh, I've been, I've been struggling. I haven't been golfing near as much as, uh, I have in the past. So, uh, I got, I got my first kid on the way here very shortly. So congrats, yeah. congrats, so, my friend getting the house ready. Very good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope you have the Jersey ready for them. Um, just, uh, about the team, we know what the start, uh, date for the league is, but what about practicing in camps and everything like that? When do you guys can actually get on back on the ice or together as a group? Well, we're hoping when we open up in stage three, there'll be some sort of modified rules to get us back on the ice is, uh, is what we're hoping. Um, it all depends on when, uh, municipalities want to put their ice back in too. So that's, uh, that's another big factor. So, uh, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I'm hoping, I'm hoping August, uh, we can get things going out of Stratford, but, um, we'll see how the summer goes and see if they put their ice in. So. You know what? You mentioned Absolutely. something there uh, just momentarily about uh, players being excited, and you'd have to think the guys are ready to go, and that could bring a brand new energy to the Pollock division um, with kind of a new group of guys sweeping through and, and that focus, right? They're going to be focused yeah. to get back uh, into the rink. Yeah, yeah, 100%. They're uh, they're definitely focused to get back in the rink, and uh, well, they're like one text and eight of them show up to get signed. Like they're, they're, they're excited. They're, they're razor focused to get, get this season going. And, uh, um, 
a lot of them, it might be their last year, right? Especially the old one group. I, I got eight of them. You can only keep four the following year. So this is, this is our year to do something special. So it's, uh, it's in their hands and the hockey gods hands. So we'll see what, we'll see what turns out at the end of next season. You know what the scary part is, is, uh, for our broadcasting purposes, technically would be our 14th year. Cause we missed a year and a bit, but anyways, uh, when you say the old ones are into their last <laughs> year of junior, yeah. that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So yeah. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a weird time for sure. And I mean, much like uh, the kids are excited. I know Steve and myself and Clarkie as well. We're so excited to just be calling games again. I, I cannot wait to get back in the rink. I can't wait to get back to the rink there in Mitchell and, and watch your team. Uh, we're chatting with the general manager of the Mitchell Hawks of the Provincial Junior Hockey League, Josh Keel. Josh, I'd like to ask you, uh, obviously, you've got some details uh, to be coming here on some potential acquisitions and a trade you've made. Of the group that we last saw play for the Mitchell Hawks, is there any players that you can confirm that are going to be returning from that? What was your young core and is now almost two years older? Yeah, literally, uh, literally every 2001 born player on my roster from last year's, uh, signed to come back. Uh, wow. also, uh, also the trade that I made with Lucan, uh, for Mark Cassidy. Um, he had 37 points and 31 games for Lucan in the previous season. I traded for him, uh, in March, I think it was. And, uh, um, we got him signed last night too. So, uh, yeah, we've got, yeah, everybody, as far as I know, everybody is coming back that it's eligible. Even my O2 group, every, everybody. So no one said no to me so far. <laughs> That's incredible. It makes a GM's yeah. life very easy. And, very uh, easy. And hey, a lot easier than a guy like Kyle Dubas. No salary cap. Um, exactly. Obviously, obviously, sorry, Clarky. <laughs> obviously, it's uh, it's exciting. Uh, we're really stoked that hockey's going to be coming back. We can't wait to get back in the rink with you guys and see you live in person and not through a computer screen. That'd be a, a nice change of pace, eh? It would be a nice change of pace. Absolutely. Josh, we really appreciate this, buddy. Uh, congratulations on what sounds like an extremely successful offseason so far. Yeah. We're excited to uh, hear about all the uh, new additions you've made. And uh, hey, it sounds like everybody's going to have to look out for the Mitchell Hawks. I mean, last time I saw you guys play, your team with a lot of young guys pushed them out for us Patriots right to the end. So yep. we're, uh, we're excited to see what your group can do. Uh, congratulations. And we really appreciate your time, man. Hey, thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it, too. All right, we'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, no Pat Gregoire, no Chris Abbott from CoolBet this week. Those guys are busy, so I am in charge of the betting segment, so hopefully I can help you guys make some money on CoolBet this weekend. And we've got to talk about the first week of the MLB enforcing, apparently, their sticky substance rule. we got to talk about some pitchers getting caught with their pants down. Next, here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to Wrap Things Up here this week on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarkie and Steve Sabarin still. And uh, guys, let's talk a little baseball now. Uh, the MLB has begun enforcing their sticky stuff mandate, if you will. Uh, we've been talking about this the last couple weeks now. They've begun enforcing it, and uh, it's caused quite a stir and some pretty interesting not safe for work moments, we'll say maybe on TV uh, for national audiences watching. Um, your opinion so far on just what it's looked like and um, maybe some improvements you'd like to see in this system that they, for some reason, decided they needed to shoehorn into the middle of a major league season. Clarky, just uh, your thoughts on it so far? Well, first of all, I think uh, I can't remember who we were talking to about this, but, uh, you know, uh, we were saying like they're just being babies, these pitchers, and I think that they're really uh, magnifying that now. Um, they're going to get challenged on it because they've cheated for so long, right? However, oh, it was Rob Longley we were talking to. That's and, right. And Rob was suggesting that maybe they should have get a little better plan in, in place instead of instituting this in the middle of the season, get a better plan in place, 
think about things a little bit more because now it's out of control. Like Joe Girardi the other day, um, who was it? Uh, Scherzer. Um, Max Scherzer, yeah. Uh, you know, like, like pitchers are like attempting to pull their pants down. I haven't seen that since Steve Lyons did it way back when. Um, it, it's out of control. Um, the pitchers were cheating, and now they've, well, they're saying that they're not um, because if they do, they get caught. But now they're just taking it to a level where I think they're trying to embarrass the game and say, yeah, if you want us to, um, you know, show us your glove and everything else, then we're going to show off everything. And it's just it's just a joke. It's just the, you know, the millionaires being babies again, in my mind. Yeah, you know what? It's the it's the manager's challenge situation. Like, why should managers be able to challenge the umpires check uh, before before the game to take a look, maybe have a a check two innings down, down the stretch. Um, like unless you're catching them every time out of the dugout, which will slow the game down incredibly, but it shouldn't be a manager's capability to challenge that because that's, that's where you're going to get yeah. uh, or, all yeah. of the circus yeah. acts. Or if you do allow managers challenge, if it's unsuccessful, like in other leagues, there's a price to pay. The manager, there's no price to pay right now. And again, that's what we were talking about with Longley. Get the system right before you institute it. Because, yeah, they, you're right, Steve. Like, the, either there shouldn't be or there should be a penalty if they're wrong. Well, what's the, when you check illegal equipment, it's a, yeah. a hockey, it's a two-minute delay yeah. game penalty, right? Absolutely. So there, yeah. if, you, if the manager suggests uh, to the umpire, hey, you need to go check that guy out, and it comes back, there's nothing there. Uh, yeah. How do you create a penalty situation in baseball? Maybe runners on base advance, maybe a maybe ball the, on the back. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the team loses their pitcher. Like you have to take your pitcher out. I'm just saying like, right. Like yeah, it's hey, not the worst. There's idea. gotta be something. Well, it's funny you say this Clarky, because there is a rule in their new mandate that says that if the umpire determines that a manager is challenging a pitcher's, you know, uh, routine on the mound in terms of st- sticky substances. If the umpire determines the manager's doing the challenge not to actually search for sticky substances, but to disrupt the pitcher's rhythm, yeah, they can be thrown out of the game. Yeah, I get which that. Which is a million percent what we saw with Joe right. Girardi of the Phillies and Max Scherzer of the Nationals. Now, but that's, but that's, not, black, that's not black and white, though. Right? right. Because that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's it's what I'm saying. Discretion. Well, exactly. They're, they've left it to... Uh, they've The MLB can't do anything right. They've They've left it open to a situation of complete ambiguity. Right. If if you're saying, and I completely agree with both of you, the managers should not be able to challenge it. That used to be what it was, but no one would ever do it because your pitcher was probably using something too, pine tar, wh- whatever the spider tack we've seen now in the in this generation. So no one would ever challenge it. It was up to the managers to say, hey, check that guy. Now the league has said, we're going to crack down really hard on this for the first time in our league history. Good for you, Rob. Um, And to clarify, Rob Manfred, not our friend Rob Longley. Um, And if that's the case and you're going to have the umpires mandatorily, if that's even a word, check the pitchers. And they're mm-hmm. checking the relievers. Like as soon as the relievers either come into the game or leave the game, they check them. And we saw another, um, how do I put this delicately, pants dropping incident with my buddy Sergio Romo the other night with the Oakland Athletics. He he took it to a whole other level. He, he had his pants around his knees for the umpire. It was a, a little over the top. I'm sure you can find the clip, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to run it here. This is a family show. And uh if that's the case and you're the league's already telling the umpires that it's incumbent on you to check the pitchers, why are you even allowing the managers to challenge it? Because they're already collecting baseballs. They're, they say that they're going to be examining gloves and equipment. It will be subject to league officials that attend different games. If you're already doing all these different measures to go, Max Scherzer had sticky stuff on his glove or he didn't, why is Joe Girardi even 
able, to, you know, to be able to challenge that. And then it, he runs out on the field like a clown yeah, and tries because, to fight Max Scherzer because he's a moron. I he's just exploiting the rule because he he yeah. doesn't think the umpire is going to make that judgment call to kick him out of the game. He's exploiting the rule. The umpires are like, it, it looks like everybody thinks that the system is screwed up. The umpires, the amount of times they're doing it, the pitchers dropping their pants, and and the managers challenging it, not because they think they might have something, but they want to disrupt the pitcher. And it's just, it's out in my mind, it's out of control. It's typical baseball in my mind. This is just what baseball does. Um, and until they amend the rule, we're going to keep seeing it. And uh, I don't think they're going to amend it, but who knows? Well, I at least I not now. I mean, no. Well, not now. That's but, that's proving that they were wrong, and they don't like to to to. Uh, to well, no, wave yeah, Rob. Flag, Man if right? we know anything about Rob Manfred, and well, I mean, really, we could probably say this about most commissioners of the sports we watch, other than maybe yeah. Adam Silver, who seems to have a, a you know a really decent relationship anyway with the NBA players. Other than that, you could say the same thing about Roger Goodell. How many times have they changed the pass interference rule? Gary Bettman and refereeing, which we've referenced already, is uh, well, that's just a tire fire. They that they, I think they might need to have like a refereeing summit. <laughs> or something <laughs> like something's got to change, but I digress. You're right, Clarky. And, and you guys have always leaned on your expertise on this because up until a little while ago, I was not really paying very close attention to baseball. You guys have watched it your whole lives. Now that I'm really focused on it, I don't understand what Rob Manfred does. Like he doesn't seem to, you know, do anything constructive for the game. And and the players all seeming I've never heard one player echo a positive sentiment about this guy. Um, it, it's it's bizarre to me. Trevor Bauer, you guys, if if you do anything on this sticky substance thing, go check out Trevor Bauer's YouTube channel where this week he made a couple different videos and he posed a question in one of his videos that he put up on Twitter in a in a poll for people to vote in. Is this legal or illegal? And for our viewers, you can see I'm holding my hand up. He held a baseball on his hand that was just suspended, stuck to his palm. And he asked, do you think this is illegal or legal? And what he was using, and he showed how he put it together, is sweat and rosin. The anim the MLB allows the rosin bag out there. Yep. We and talked about that. You're gonna Rob tell too. you're gonna tell players they can't sweat. You you can't run your fingers through your hair and get some sweat, which is one of the most common things guys have done before the spider tack generation. And then you rub the rosin on it, and it, it gets sticky. Is that illegal? It's not illegal. 100% not because it's I not there. The, However, the it's nowhere sticky. near the same as sticky tack or spider tack. Yeah. Oh, of course. You have, to, you have to remember that this is a sport that back in the, I believe it was the 20s, when the first curveball was thrown, actually it was before the 1920s, they wanted to outlaw the curveball as cheating. Yeah, they said it was too hard to hit. So, yeah. So this is, you got to remember the history of, of the sport and how it's evolved and the, and the whole, you know, er, everything is cheating. And we all know people in sports like to push the envelope, um, coaches, managers, they'll, you know, they'll test, you know, all of the, all of the systems in place. And, you know, we could say Joe Girardi is a whiner, but there was no rules against what he was doing. No, so, you're right. I mean, the baseball to, to try to fix it. I mean, uh, you could say Joe Girardi went against the integrity of the game, but when you're trying to win a game, how much integrity do you have? And I mean, like I said, there there is that written thing in the memo saying that if the umpire determines that a manager's disrupting, whatever. So it, it, that's what we can conclude. In the MLB, there sort of is rules. There's sort of rules in Major League Baseball. Boy, it's frustrating, guys. All right. Our buddies Chris Abbott nor Pat Gregoire from Coolbet could join us this week. They're both busy trying to uh, recoup Coolbet's uh, Euro 2020 losses. So I am in charge of bets for the week. So I've got a couple of good ones here for you. Another Formula One race coming up this weekend, the Styrian Grand Prix. That is in Austria, the home of Team Red Bull. Take Max Verstappen to win at pl well, plus 125 and take his teammate Sergio 
Perez to finish top three at minus 111. In terms of the Euros, let's break down some of the matches on Saturday. Wales-Denmark, we're into the elimination round. Take a draw there. I see that one going to penalties. Italy-Austria, take the Italians at minus 204. They look so, so dominant. Maybe the best team performance so far in the tournament. And on Sunday, Netherlands-Czech Republic, take the Netherlands at minus 139 on the money line. Belgium-Portugal, take that one to go for a draw. You know Ronaldo's not going to roll over and just let the Belgians run all over Portugal. Take that one to go to penalties as well. That's paying plus. 215. Just by here's one for you, Ryan. Does uh does Ronaldo break the all-time international goal scoring record in that match? For for men, yeah. I, I think yeah. he will. I, I think he will uh break the record. If we know one thing about Ronaldo, he's determined to have his name next to just about every goal scoring record he can. He certainly does most of the places he's played. The guy's a goal machine, he's a freak. He will break it. Of course, Christine Sinclair. Our, uh, our Canadian goddess, if you will, she is the all-time international goal scorer among all soccer players, and we're definitely very proud of that. All right, we appreciate you guys listening to and watching MWO Sports every week. As always, remember, we air Friday nights at 6 on CKNX AM 920, cknx.ca. Follow us on social media at MWO underscore sports. Find us on YouTube, Friday nights debuting at 9, Friday nights at 8, Sunday nights at 9 with our friends on Whiteman TV, and the podcast is available on all the best podcast apps as well. For myself, Ryan Drury, that's Clarky. that is Steve Sabrin. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Mm-hmm.